Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tag One Team Talks. Uh, today we're talking about documentation as code and linting pros. This is part two. And we're talking about what the tools are, uh, uh, the tools that are out there, what their strengths and weaknesses are, you know, why you might use one tool versus another, and get into what tests are, how you write them, what kind of tests you can write. Please check out part one which is a broader overview of linting and introducing documentation into a process that's similar to uh, development and automation. And coming up next in part three is going to be a demo where you can see all of this in action. I'm Michael Myers. I am the managing director at Tag One Consulting. I'll be your host today and I am joined by Lynette Miles, who is the principal technical writer at Tag One. Lynette, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is, is such a cool idea and service. Can you tell me more, like, what kind of linters are out there? You know, give us a broad sense of sort of the ecosystem. Okay, so like I, I said in the first part one is that, you know, like when I started, I had no idea what a linter was. Turns out, lo and behold, a lot of the document programs today, they have at least what we consider, I would consider a basic linter. So you're using like Google Docs, Microsoft Word, whatever, you know, whatever word processing program where it does things like, hey, you know, maybe you missed a period. Where's your comma? This isn't capitalized. That's what, that's a linter. It's checking those things for you and saying, hey, you know, that's, that's probably not right. Did you want to take another look at this? You know, you can add words to your dictionary. You can tell it, stop looking at this thing. So you have, you know, just even starting out with those basic word programs, you've got it. <clears throat> and then there's, I don't quite want to say more formal, but, but there's tools. So there's uh, the Hemingway, I think it's HemingwayApp.com. It's a Hemingway editor. And that is a real basic, like, uh, it's a web-based tool. So you like type your, your document in or your whatever. And it will to I think Hemingway does things like it will say, this is how complex your, your writing is. This is kind of your grade level. These, and it'll catch some things like this is too long because there's readability things like a sentence over 25 words is too long a lot of the time. And then it will do things like, you know, those kinds of minor things. Then you get into heavier tools like Grammarly, which do those same kinds of things, but get more intense, like checking really into the structure of your sentence and how complex each sentence is. And then you start getting into like the real, what people really call linters. Like there's some of the ones I kind of, there's AlexJS, which I liked, but was not, was not customizable and not complex enough for what I have needed in the past. Uh, what was another one? I'm trying to remember all the tools now. <laughs> and the other, the other big one that I ran into was, I have it personally used, but sounds awesome. One of the other writers I encountered at the Write the Docs conference last in 2019 uh, was Acrolinks. And Acrolinks is very, is, is very customizable. And so like, uh, we'll talk about style guides. It's very customizable, so you can give it like, here's our general company style guide, but like this piece is going to be use the marketing style, and this piece is the technical style. So you can kind of define those voices, because 
when you're writing, say, documentation and you're explaining to a person, here's how you're going to accomplish this task, you use an imperative voice. Do this. Go to this page. Click this link. You know, download this software. Click this to run the installer. You use that kind of a voice. When you're doing like marketing, you're kind of more friendly, maybe like a little more you know, folksy and interactive, right? You know, hey, so we got this new thing and it's going to do these things for you. You know, so the, the style is, is a little different and all, most of the time, I mean. So, is there a, uh, so like, is there a BS detector for marketing content? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about an Acrolinks, but in the, so Veil is the tool that, that I have used and that's my personal favorite one. It is not as easy to do those multiple voices, but it does in fact have a test for buzzwords and for cliches. That's great. Like I benefit so much from, you know, just the basic things that are in Google Docs, right? I change tense and it highlights, oh, you forgot this. But I'm so guilty of things like run on sentences. So, it, you know, uh, I, I'm really excited about the more powerful aspects of these tools. And, and this is all powered by style guides and, and tests. Is that how it works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at my previous job, we were, our documentation was based on the Microsoft manual of style. So when we started, when we first started using mail tests, there wasn't a Microsoft manual. So we started creating one. And as we got into it, somebody else actually committed it. So we were able to like basically take the rules for a lot of things like you don't press a button, you click a button you when you refer to a key you refer to it like this you know those kinds of things <clears throat> and we were able to like straight up codify wordpress are you sure that's the right word <laughs> double check that because if you're pressing pressing is not right clicking is right and especially when you're writing uh documentation or how to's having you know you know rigid consistent language is critical you know from the formatting yes. of you know functions to the the language that you use so there are there are existing style guides out there that you can just plug in you can say hey i want to use the google style guide i want to use the microsoft style guide and that sort of forms the the base of of mm -hmm. what you do mm -hmm. Well, we originally, we started off with some, just some basic, because there's, uh, there's a handful of styles that they all just like came with. And then we added, we not only like later, somebody committed the Microsoft one. So we took that and then we had our own sets based on things that we needed as, you know, that company. So like things like, <clears throat> here's this list of product names these product names would have to be they're always labeled like this so like at tag one we have the product tag one quo it's always referred to by its full name we would not use just one we would not use just quo that's not right that's not the name of the product so i write a test to say hey make sure that this is the full name not just this word so that way if that flags so that it can be double checked to make sure we're not doing it wrong so if that way it's somebody did do it and tried to commit it, we could say, hey, nope, don't do that. 
So you, you, and make sure that it's right. So we're always referring to the same the things correctly. You you use the word commit. You know, they committed the Microsoft style guide. Do you mean like like literally in the sense of like I committed it to GitHub or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's literally in a in in a, the styles section of of the Veil GitHub repo. So so t- I mean. Tell me, I mean, we're going to do the demo and, and you're going to show how this works <laughs> the next segment, but I, I got to know, like, uh, Veil, it's like an application that you that you run on your desktop or is it something that you run in the cloud on a server? Like, uh, how does so this work? I'm, I'm running it locally mm-hmm. on, as a, it's a, like, I used Homebrew, like, Brew and Style Veil, <laughs> done. And then I went in and I set it up to, like, look at Markdown because the tag one, we're using Markdown for... Some of the, for a lot of the content. So I always tell it, look at the markdown files. And then I started creating, you know, I looked, I pulled in the regular tests, the basic tests, like pros, pros went, job went, right, good. There's a couple of others. And then I started adding a few things that I knew I wanted to watch out for based on tag one products and just flat out industry jargon that we already know and use. Like Drupal, nobody has that as a word in their dictionary unless they're part of the Drupal community. So when you see the word Drupal, please don't flag that as a misspelled word. You mentioned that there's a detector for for buzzwords. You can create detectors for your own Mm -hmm. things, like you know how you name products. What are some of the the popular or or you know really important things that are out there that you use or that people should know about? The obvious ones are things like passive voice because that's so easy to do and it's just so pervasive. You just don't even recognize that you're doing it. And when you're writing a blog post, no big deal. When you're writing technical documentation, it's really not so good. It occurs to me that not everybody uh, may know uh, what a passive voice is. A passive voice walked into a, was walked into by a bar? No. A bar was walked into by the passive voice. That's what it was. A bar was walked into by the passive voice. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed so, to the passive voice walked into a bar. <laughs> so it detects uh, that you're using these things. What else in addition to the passive voice and, and sort of the product stuff, the buzzwords? There's so many different things. So one of the big ones that uh, I ended up implementing later on was like, I, I inherited a doc set and this particular doc set was written with P slash she. So, you know, so-and-so it's such and such thing was going to happen. And then he or she, he or she could do this thing. Why? Just they. So it would flag he or she changes this to they. Make it, you know, gender neutral, make it singular they. It's cleaner, it's easier to read. It is, <clears throat> you know, stuff like, and the, the big one that's been going around lately, like uh, whitelist and blacklist. People are changing from the whitelist, blacklist to allow list and blacklist. You could very quickly write. And I'm sure somebody probably is, I haven't looked, but I'm sure somebody has written a look for this kind of thing. That's this kind of, you know, because, or, you know, the, master branch or master slave databases, those kinds of things where we want to be, you know, 
maybe not using that terminology anymore. Those are the, those are, those kinds of things are actually really easy and straightforward to catch and make those little changes that are more inclusive and make your documentation and your writing, you know, in general, just more approachable. That's great. And it enforces things that, you know, you, you often don't necessarily actively think about. You know, you see, I, I might forget to do something. This makes sure that you do it. Are these all, are these just things that are included in Vail? Do you, do you find them online and download them elsewhere? Is it both? Mostly I have the people tend to be real. The people who are using it actively, they tend to be pretty open about committing it back to the, you know, when it, when it's not like too specific to the company. So like GitLab, for instance, <clears throat> they're using Vail. They have it actually in their repository. You can see what their rules are. They're not committing those things back to the original repository because it's too specific to their company, but I couldn't remember how to format a spelling test, so I, but I knew there was a spelling, they had a spelling test in there, so I went and took the format <laughs> to write it for, for one of the tests that I needed to do. So these... And I knew uh, they had it, and I knew it was right, because Amy did it. The, these, these tests are, are largely open source. That's, mm -hmm. that's fantastic. Yeah. Is Vail itself, is, is the underlying program, is, is that open source too? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So the whole yeah, system is open source. Yeah. Um, who created Vail? Is that is that a Git thing or? Uh, there's a, a guy named uh, Joseph Cotto. He's JD Cotto on GitHub, and it, he owns the repository. He wrote a really nice long post introducing it back in, I want to say July of 2018. We first encountered it in February or March of. 2019 and just adopted it and went nuts so it's got a pretty it's not a huge community but it is a bit of fairly vibrant and active uh, and, group uh, of users but before we jump into the demo what is this stuff like uh, i want to write a test i want to write a, i want to have a style guide uh, you know, is this some sort of structured markup thing? Like ha, ha, YAML. Like, YAML. YAML, YAML. YAML files. Yep. Yep. YAML. I like it less. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, I, I've seen, I was like, uh, I don't know anything about you. I've seen like, you know, oh, composers. Great. I know nothing about how that works. Cool. I'm going to copy and paste stuff and then modify it. And I do. That's what I do. Because I'm like, this is not my area of expertise. I have a guy when I need code, you know? <laughs> and, and he's a, a fantastic world guy. World, world class to say the least. <laughs> so it's, he comes it's, in handy. <laughs> it, YAML files, a structured text with all of these great examples out there so that you can create your own tests based on other things so you can get up and running really quickly with this with some really yeah. sophisticated and and powerful checks uh, very yeah. i mean and the, that's what we did we took those basic checks added them in and then we we're like okay now now we need to apply our styles on top of that and now we already 
had a written style guide. We had like this 30 page, here's how you do these kinds of things. There was a lot of overlap with the Microsoft Manual of Style, which is this enormous, well, when it was still a printed book, was like this 400 something, I think, page style guide of here's how you refer to everything in the Microsoft Software Universe. Or actually Microsoft Hardware and Software because it talked about all their different hardware products too. So, you know, we had that and then so we took that and then we made our own separate style set and then we wrote the specific tests that we needed that applied only to us as part of that as well. And it was actually, it's, it was really easy because we had all of those great examples. I, I can't wait to see this in action. And that's coming up next uh, in our next segment, folks. Uh, if you haven't seen part one, uh, which is just a general broad overview of what this is and how it works, check that out. The demo is coming up next. All the links that Lynette just mentioned are gonna be in the show notes, so check them out. If you liked this talk, please remember to upvote, subscribe, and share it with everyone you know. Uh, please check out past tag team talks at tagone.com slash tag team talks. Uh, send your feedback to tag team talks at tagone.com. We'd love input on uh, what you like, don't like, and topics that you want to hear us cover in the future. Uh, a huge thank you to everyone who tuned in today. And Lynette, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back.